Hello, my name is Wayne McGahee, the third host of Locked On Seminoles on the Locked On Podcast Network, and this is the very first edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast, and I'm very glad that you're joining me today. Uh, if, uh, if you're interested in this podcast and if you're listening, I'm assuming that you're interested in Florida State athletics, presumably Florida State football, considering it is football season, and you may be wondering what I have to offer and why you should uh, continue to listen. Well, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I have been in this position for the past two years. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. And um, for football, I attend every game, home away, every practice, every press conference. Every time Willie Taggart speaks, I will be there. Um, it speaks to the media, at least not every time he speaks in uh, in general, because that would be weird. But um, Every time he speaks to the media, every time player speaks to the media, uh, every time practice is open, so I get to see everything that every uh, you know, that is available to see from the media perspective for Florida State football. I also attend every home basketball game, every home baseball game, and um, in big recruiting events. So I've I've covered uh, Florida State athletics for the past four seasons. I started out with NoldDigest.com and Scout.com as an intern, worked my way up to publisher of that site, then got on with the Tallahassee Democrat. For the uh, very first uh, episode of the Locked on Seminoles podcast, we'll be discussing Florida State's recent game against Sanford, a 36-26 win. Um, if you want to call it a win, but it, it was a win. It goes in as a win on, on the uh, win-loss column. Um, so we'll be discussing that in the first segment. In the next segment, we'll have three up, three down, the three players that I thought stood out the most on uh, on Saturday against Samford and the three players that I thought uh, didn't play particularly well. Um, so we'll have that, and then we'll close out the podcast talking about what changes I think Florida State needs to make after a very slow start to the season. But jumping right in, you have you have Samford and what happened on uh, Saturday night. Florida State did beat Samford 36-26, to like I said, but it wasn't pretty. Florida State did a very poor job in the game, especially to start. Uh, Sanford went up 13 to nothing, and Devlin Hodges, the Sanford quarterback, who I came in with very high expectations for, and he exceeded every single one of them. He threw for 475 yards in the um, in in the game. He threw for 341 of those yards in the first half. I mean, it, he was just chucking the ball down the field left and right, and he, I mean, he just made some spectacular throws. Uh, some most of them were fairly fairly well covered. But Florida State also gave up a lot of holes um, in the middle of the defense, which I think is very, very concerning. Um, but Florida State started off slow again. I mean, they went down. It was 16-7 to at the, at the end of the first quarter and then 23-21 to at the end of the first half. And Florida State got really lucky that it was 23-21 to because they could have gone down 23-14 uh, to if not for a late fumble and Florida State... Um, putting the ball in the end zone from 17 yards out with a minute left in the game, or a minute left in the half, sorry. But it, it was it was a very slow start to Florida State. Florida State's offensive line didn't play well at all. I mean, against an FCS defensive line, it was a real, real struggle for Florida State to really get anything going. Um, Florida State averaged 4.2 yards per rush. That's without uh, without sacks being in, being included. But um, it, it just—I it, mean—it wasn't pretty. It, it's—it wasn't until late that Florida State's 
uh, size and athleticism really started to tell. But like Cam Akers finished with 14, uh, 14 attempts for 76 yards. But in the first half, Florida State only rushed for uh, 54 yards. Like that's on, on 18 attempts. They, they averaged three yards per carry against an FCS team. That's, you know, I mean, that's not going to get it done uh, against, against some of the better defensive lines. Even, even the average defensive lines in the ACC, that's really not going to get it done. I thought DeAndre Francois played fairly well. I thought he played better than he did against Virginia Tech, but he, he did much better in the read option game. I think that's, that's something that he's going to continue to improve on as the year goes on, as he gets more used to the system. Because in, in the Virginia Tech game, he made wrong read after wrong read in the read option with, uh, with Cam Akers and with Jacques Patrick, not really with Kalen LeBourne. He didn't really get to, he didn't touch the ball in that, in that capacity. But with, um, with that, he, he, got, he did get better against Sanford. He was much better, he, he was much better at making the correct read, and he, he scored a touchdown. And on the touchdown, it looked, it, 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 he, he, it, we went to hand the ball off, and the entire Sanford defense slid to the running back. No one expected him to keep the ball. It ended up being an eight-yard touchdown run in the uh, in the second quarter, and it the entire Sanford defense just looked flabbergasted that he actually kept the ball because it didn't happen. Like Florida State never keeps the ball on on that type of play. It didn't happen under Jimbo Fisher, and against Virginia Tech, it didn't really happen either. So that was a really good sign that he did keep the ball. He's going to have to continue to develop in that area. I think that's an area that Florida State will continue to work on, and I do think that's going to make it make things a little easier once he gets that down. Um, it's going to make it a lot easier on the offensive line. That it, it's going to make it a lot easier, like visibly for the offense, because they're going to be able to to get up and go and have that in the arsenal. I thought that Trey McKitty played extremely well. The wide receivers, I thought, played fairly well for the most part, but. Yeah, without without an offensive line in a run game, it was it was tough sledding for Florida State. They couldn't get into a rhythm. They weren't executing. They would shoot themselves in a penalty on one drive in particular. Florida State had 63 yards of offense, where they would take and uh, it was three throws. No, I'm sorry, it was two throws and a rush. None of them counted because of stupid penalties. One time, McKitty was covered up by a wide receiver. The other time, Florida State, you know, false started. I mean, it was, it was just self-inflicted wounds that cost Florida State 63 yards, not including penalty yardage, but just what Florida State got on that certain play. That's, that's unacceptable. I mean, that's, that's going to kill every single drive. Like, you can't have stuff like that happen. And right now, it's happening to Florida State extremely frequently, and that's going to – I mean, it – some of it is explainable. You've got Florida State, a new system, brand new system, right? It's coming in. It's a complete departure from what Florida State ran under Jimbo Fisher. They're trying to go quickly. They're trying to. They're not making as many adjustments at the line. They're trying to go quickly. They're trying to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. They're trying to put a lot of pressure on defenses to make the right reads, get lined up, and and then go but um 
the, the Florida State offense right now is shooting itself in the foot. They're not really sure what they're doing. Sometimes they're lining up incorrectly. Sometimes the running back's lining up on the wrong side of the quarterback, and they have to swap it. And then sometimes the wide receivers don't know what play they're running, and then they have to get it called in. And It's just taking up time that Florida State wants to use, and it's really causing a lot of issues as far as the execution goes and getting getting into a tempo because without a tempo this type of offense really doesn't work very well it's it's all about put like i said it's all about putting that pressure on the florida on uh not the florida state defense even though there's plenty of pressure on them we'll get into them in just a minute but um it's putting a lot of pre- it's supposed to put a lot of pressure on the other defense to line up and be in correct spots and that just hasn't happened so far on on the other side of the ball, Florida State has really started slow. I mean, really started slow the past two games, but Harlan Barnett has made some really good adjustments. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been much better in the second half of games with, um, with, with, with the defense and what they've been able to do. You know, right uh, in the first half, uh, Samford averaged 8.5 yards per play. That's, I mean, that that's just not going to get it done. Uh, in the second, in the second half, they averaged four point seven, which is pretty is 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 pretty good. I mean, that's that's completely fine. Uh, they hit some big plays. That's gonna, I mean, that's going to be expected with how aggressive this type of defense is. One of the bigger concerns is that Florida State just didn't find the pass rush. They couldn't find the pass rush. They didn't get home. A lot of that was by design for Samford, but not getting home on sixty pass attempts is a little bit of a concern. Next, I want to talk about three players that stood out and the three players that I think need to need to pick it up a little bit. But first, the wait is over. Football is here, and that means fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play for you. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. You can choose from Gridiron, Pick'em, Guru, Friends, or Beat the Score. There's plenty of chances to win. Uh, users in the, in the Gridiron Pick'em users will choose the winning teams for all the Sunday games, no spread, and $10,000 will be split amongst all of the top pickers every week. Uh, unlike Survivor, the prizing here is not season long, so users should feel free to jump in at any time. Guru is a new tool that makes building smarter uh, lineups simple, more simple for fans at all, of all skill levels, so players can be confident that you're putting the best team on the field. This is a responsive, wizard-like draft experience that makes recommendations and provides tips as you draft based on who you're picking. When I play fantasy football, I want to play with my friends because I enjoy winning over them and I enjoy bragging about it. So that's always fun for me. And FanDuel has made that a lot easier with the new Friends game, uh, where it's completely reworked the Friends capabilities to include easier ways to invite people, a more accessible way to start head-to-head, and better product integration so you can track how you're doing. Then there's Beat the Score. Beat the Score is a new uh, contest type where instead of having to come in top place among a sea of competitors, you just have to beat a preset score. Anyone who beats that score wins money. Pretty simple. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their purse deposit on FanDuel. So make sure you go check it out. That's FanDuel.com for all of your fantasy football needs. Jumping right back into things, we've got the three up, three down. This is a segment that we will do every single Monday. But first, uh, remember, make sure to stay on for uh, segment three where I talk about what Florida State can do to fix some of the issues that they that they, that they have, and there's a lot of them, but there, there, are some, there are some easy fixes, there are some not so easy fixes that are gonna take some time, and uh, I'll be breaking that down. But jumping back, we're gonna start with the with the three up. 
the three players that I thought played very well. And I'm going to start on defense with safety Hampson Nasruddin. After the spring and into fall camp, Nasruddin, he wasn't exactly on the top of the list of safeties that we expected to be making making an impact. He was, I mean, he was he was behind Cyrus Fagan. He was behind AJ Westbrook. He was behind Jaden Woodby. He didn't really have a good spring. He was up and down, and there were you know there were some questions about how he would fit in. He worked during fall camp. He worked some at linebacker, and with him, he came out and he's he's had he's been forced into playing time. Stanford Samuels got hurt during fall camp and hasn't been back to 100%. He's been able to play both games, but he hasn't been back to 100%. And Nasruddin's stepped up. Uh, he had 12 tackles, led the team in tackles. He had 10 solo tackles against Samford. He also split time at linebacker. So he's proven that he can be very versatile. And with Stanford coming back and Florida State's issue at linebacker, that's a move that I would like to see more of. I would like to see him at linebacker. Alabama recruited this kid to play at linebacker, so you know he can play there. Um, You know that he has the ability to play there. He's a big guy, um, and he's, he's athletic. He can do well in coverage, but he's also not afraid to stick his nose in and hit. That's something that he does very, very well. So I'd like to see more of him playing in the uh, in in the linebacker role with Sanford uh, with Stanford Samuels coming back. Another guy that I thought you know played played very well, and a guy that I also want to see more of is Tamorian Terry. Terry had two catches and two touchdowns against Sanford. Both of them showed off the catch radius that he had. The first the first catch that he had was a twenty seven yard touchdown. It was about a 15-yard pass, and it looked like Francois had thrown, overthrown him just a little bit. That's what I initially thought. I thought that, man, he missed him, but Terry has such long arms and is actually so quick for a big guy that he was able to catch it at the very end of his reach and then ran his way into the end zone. It was a really impressive play, something that I, you know, something that I think Florida State needs more of. The second catch was a 17-yard uh, yard touchdown pass, and... The ball was behind Terry. He managed to turn in midair, grab the ball, and then and then um, hang on to it as he was getting hit into the end zone. It was a really special play. He only had one more target in the game. Right now, he has uh, he, he's not being targeted enough. He's a big wide receiver with a huge wingspan that's athletic as as anybody else on the field. He has great hands. Really, he's just a mismatch every time he steps foot on the field because you can't put a small corner on him because he's just going to body him, and he's too athletic and too fast for the bigger corners. I mean, he is a special, special talent at wide receiver, and he needs more than three targets in a game. Like that's the, the, those are facts. He needs th- he needs more than three targets in the game. Uh, he sh- uh, he he's proven that he's willing to go up and get the ball. The catch that he had against Virginia Tech in between two defenders, or he he just manned up and went up and got the ball and brought it down on a on a not so great pass from Francois, but he just went up and got it. And that's what Florida State needs more of. We need to see more of uh, Tamar and Terry. Another guy that I thought played extremely well in blocking, receiving Trey McKitty, tight end. He had. Five receptions for 59 yards. The game-winning touchdown. He was targeted seven times. Um, he had, he had a phenomenal game. Uh, he, he played extremely well. And 
Florida State is, I mean, they, they needed this guy to step up. He had to step up, and he had to, he had to be able to make plays. And so far, he's really doing that. He's doing, uh, he, he was... He was very good um, against Virginia Tech as a blocker, and he was very good against as a blocker against Samford. But he's going to be a weapon in the passing game. He's a big body. He's got strong hands, and he can uh, he can catch through contact. He's also really consistent. Um, he's a really consistent player, and you know Florida State's going to have to keep using him. But he he really stepped up, and he's shown me something the past two games, and he was really good against Samford. Moving on to the bottom three, um, it's more. It's going to be more like a, a bottom seven because you, I, I can't single out any one offensive lineman for just how poorly they played against against Virginia Tech and then how poorly they played against Samford. I mean, it, it, it was just an FCS line was really having their way with the Florida State offensive line through most of the game, and it, that's a major concern. Talked a little bit about it. Um, with the way in, in the first in the first segment, but it, I mean it's it's so bad that it bears repeating. In the first quarter, Florida State had seven rushes and averaged two point three yards per carry against an FCS defense. An FCS defensive line, Florida State averaged under three yards a carry. Florida State had sixteen total rushing yards in the entire first quarter. Florida State had. Two five stars. That's before Laborn without with a dislocated knee, but at two five stars, two four stars, and a three star in the backfield. I mean, there is so much talent in Florida State's running back room. Like this is you know, coming into the season. This is the position that we thought would be the biggest strength of the Florida State offense. And right now, with the way the offensive line is playing, uh, it's been a major weakness. Uh, right now, Florida State's on pace for the lowest number of rushing yards in a season since 2006. That's the year that Florida State lost 30 to nothing to Wake Forest. That's, I mean, that that's where we are. That was the year before Jimbo Fisher arrived at Florida State. That was Jeff Bowden's final year as the offensive coordinator. I mean, that that's how far back we have to go and how bad it's been so far. Um, you know, Florida State didn't didn't gain a single first down running the football in the first quarter and were one for four on third downs. They were over three on third downs in the second, in the second quarter. Basically Florida state just couldn't gain a yard. Uh, They, they needed to gain a yard twice, once on third down and once on fourth down. The first time they had such little confidence in the Florida state offensive line to get a push that they threw the ball out to the flat and didn't get it. The second time they actually tried to run behind the offensive line and cam Akers was stopped in the backfield. So the Florida State offensive line has been a major, major issue. But uh, moving on, kicker Ricky Aguayo, he's one for four to start the season. He missed both field goals uh, against Samford. It's been an abysmal start for him, and there's uh, there's really not much else to say about him. He He's missed three field goals out of his four attempts. He deserves to be in the bottom three. Um, another guy that I, I had some reserves about putting him on here, but George Campbell, the wide receiver, he's finally back. He's finally healthy. He had two catches for 36 yards. I mean, he, he looked like he was, you know, he, he was going to be able to make an impact. And then he's running wide open down the sideline. Francois hits him in stride, like hits him in the hands, and he just drops the ball. That's been the knock on him since he arrived. That's been the knock on him since he's in high school. He cannot, like, he struggles to catch the football consistently, and that reared its ugly head again on on Saturday. And that's why he's in the bottom three, because he had a shot, and he just dropped the ball. 
and that's the three up, three down. We'll be doing this every Monday as we replay and review all of Florida State's games from Saturday. But that will be that again. That'll be happening every Monday. Now we want to. I'm going to get into what changes I think Florida State can make in the third segment. But first, one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, "What team sh- should I bet on? Should I bet on Florida State? Should I not bet on Florida State?" And the truth is, I don't really know who's going to win. Um, you know, I predicted Virginia Tech to. Uh, I predicted Florida State to beat Virginia Tech. I predicted Florida State to blow out Sanford. It's, I mean, that's just the, the way college football is. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and the mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. You know, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKED space on when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back for the final segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast, the inaugural Locked On Seminoles podcast. Uh, I'm enjoying this. I hope you are too. Make sure that you uh, you come back and uh, check out check it out. It's going to be a daily podcast, but uh, especially on Mondays we have you know we'll have the three up, three down, and the review of each game. But now we're going to move into what I think that Florida State can do to improve, where I think that they can find the most improvement. Obviously, the the O-line issues are due to personnel, really, and that's going to be tough to fix throughout uh, this season. Uh, it might be tux, tough to fix, like really fix, over the next couple seasons because you know F- Florida State's going to have to take time and they're going to have to develop the offensive linemen, and it's going to take time to bring in those guys. This isn't you know a position like running back or wide receiver or cornerback where you can just plug in true freshmen and play. Really, I mean, it's it's you know you rarely rarely see true freshmen playing on the offensive line. It just doesn't happen. So I think Florida State's going to have to. Find a way to help its offensive line. Keep Trey McKitty in as a blocker more, even though he is he is an offensive we- weapon, like I just uh, just mentioned in the second segment. But you know, call more plays out wide. The wide receivers also have to get better at blocking. But I'm also a little more confident that they can be better at it, especially if you're using the right personnel. Like if you're blocking with Tamori and Terry rather than DJ Matthews, there's about a 60, 70 pound size difference there. Um, and we saw DJ Matthews having to block for Trey McKitty in the in the first game, and it just didn't against Virginia Tech, and it just didn't go well. So you know you, you gotta you gotta make sure you have the right positions. You've gotta call a lot of um, you know call some more call some more screens. Make sure that the opposing defense isn't just able to pin their ears back and come after the quarterback. Make them have to think about it, and that should give Francois enough time because Florida State does have a number of talented wide receivers. That's um. It's probably one of the, the the second thing that I think Florida State needs to do is, and Willie Taggart mentioned it earlier, they need to take and shorten the rotation um, at wide receiver. Yeah, uh, right now, Florida State's rotating in and out like seven guys. And 
right now I think we need we need to see more of DJ Matthews. DJ Matthews needs to be targeted more. He's I mean he's lightning in a bottle when he catches the ball, and they've got to find a ways to get to get him the ball. Tamora and Terry. I already mentioned him in the three up three down. That dude needs the ball more. Um, Nyquan Murray. Murray is Francois' favorite wide receiver target, even when he's not open. Um, you know th- that goes back to when they were both coming out of Orlando. They're really close, and you know Francois trusts Murray to be where he's supposed to be and do what he's supposed to do. So you have that. And when Florida State goes to a fourth wide receiver, I think it's going to be Keith Gavin, or it should be Keith Gavin, even though he's been a little uh, inconsistent catching the football. He did drop the touchdown against Virginia Tech, but he has made some uh, some big plays for Florida State through the first two games. Um, so, I, you know, you go to four wide. But after that, I mean, you really need to close down on the – especially until the the offense finds the tempo and starts moving – um, then it's obviously going to be a little bit differ, uh, difficult to do that just because Florida State's going to play so many plays and running down the field on every single play is going to put a lot of strain on the wide receivers. So, you know, you'll want to get the rotation in. But until Florida State gets comfortable enough to run the tempo that they're supposed to be running at, you know, I think that Florida State needs to, you know, bring down the number of rotation, uh, number of players rotating in at wide receiver. And Willie Taggart said as much during his press conference today that he's going to uh, limit the rotation a little bit. Um, on defense, I think that you're going to, you've got, you've got to find the pass rush. Um, Marvin Wilson needs to play more. He was absolutely fantastic against uh, Sanford. He was very good against Virginia Tech in limited time. He's been limited uh, because of the MCL injury he had during the spring. He wasn't able to practice much in the fall, and then they limited him in the first game. He looked phenomenal against Sanford. He played really, really well, and I think uh, he's probably he probably should be a starter at this point going into uh, going into Syracuse just because he's been extremely good um, through the first two games and then on defense like Florida State there's there were just so many holes against Sanford and a a lot of Devlin Hodges passes he just got beat like you know the corner or safety who was in coverage just got beat one-on-one it was you know it you can't do anything about that except for you know if, if you're um Harlan Barnett, except for, hey, you know, do better next time. You know, maybe use better technique, work on, you know, just work on, you, you have to work at it from that route. But as far as overall, you know, Florida State right now is, um, they, they were on their back foot in the first half. They've made excellent adjustments in the second half. They need to come out, and I, I believe Willie Taggart used the phrase soft twice to describe um, the Florida State defense early in the game um, over the past two weeks. And right now, when they come out on the field in the first in the first couple you know first couple drives, they're being soft. They're being tentative. They're they're not getting after it. They don't they don't have the dominant mentality that Willie Taggart's looking for. They need to be able to come out with that every single game. They have to start the game with that um, with that dominant mentality. They need to believe that they're the best unit on the field. And I think that'll help them a long way because right now it looks like they don't have much confidence at the beginning of the game, and then the, some adjustments are made, and you know it, it gets so much better. Um, you know, other than losing one on ones, there's not really you know that, that's not that's not a scheme issue. Like if a player is in position to make a play and just doesn't make a play, that's on the player, not the scheme. Um, so 
on special teams with Ricky Aguayo, I mean, you could have Logan Tyler come in and try some field goals, but he was extremely inconsistent at that when um, when he was asked to do it in 2016. He did not kick at all in 2017 and has been just a punter since then. But um, his uh, – so I'm not sure how you can fix the Ricky Aguayo issue other than, you know, him making more kicks. Like that, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but on offense, you know, another thing that would help out, help out the offensive line, just jumping back and forth, um, you know, as I, as I think about it, you know, just jumping back and forth, you've got Cam Akers needs to stop dancing around in the backfield. Um, he's doing a lot of dancing right now. He's trying to find the holes and there's not a lot of holes there. When the hole isn't there, the man's just got to go. You know, run up the backside of your offensive line if you have to, but you can't keep losing yards the way you are. Um, you know, I think like something ridiculous, like thirty of his, uh, not thirty, but like twenty-five of his first uh, his first carries over the first two games have gone for negative uh, or zero yards or less, and it's 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 a ridiculous stat. It shouldn't happen because he's so extremely talented, but he needs to go. Um, you know, even even if there's no hold, just find you know find a spot put your legs down put your shoulders down and just drive through it and gain you know whatever you can you can't be dancing in the backfield because the Florida State offensive line isn't getting enough of a push for you to sit there and try and wait and find it one of the defenders is going to come through um and obviously we talked about how DeAndre Francois improved on his reads as that continues the offensive line is going to look better because players are not going to be stopped in the backfield because Francois made the wrong read so uh, once he gets better than that, as he continues to get better than that, the offense will get better, um, and it, it will look better. This is this is going to be a progress as the season goes on. So you know, just uh, keep that in mind. It's not where we thought they'd be to start the season. It's certainly not where I thought they'd be to start the season. But you know, they're it's it's going to get better as the Florida State offense gets better. It's going to put less pressure on the defense, which makes the defense play better. And it's just that's that's what it's going to take. But that's going to be all for the first edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back. I'll, I'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, we get to f- our first look at Florida State in practice since the Samford game. Uh, we get to talk to a couple players. We get to talk to, I believe, offensive coordinator Walt Bell. I believe it's going to be an offensive day tomorrow. So we get to talk to to Walt Bell. We'll get to talk to DeAndre Francois and get their take on how the Samford game went. So make sure to stay tuned. We'll pass along. I'll pass along that information. But I'm Wayne McGahee, host of Locked On Seminoles, Florida State beat writer. Make sure you stay tuned to the Locked On Seminoles podcast. And once again, thanks for listening.